The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Nico here with another episode of The Sit Down, and I'm very joined by a very, very special guest, um, author of the new cookbook, Supified, Turning Your Favorite Dishes into Soups. I am joined by Chef Michelle DiPietro. How's it going, Michelle? Hi. Hello. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for coming on. I know I'm a little bit remote right now. This has been a weird week for sure, but um, thanks for coming on. Excited to do the podcast. How has everything been over the past couple of years? I'm sure you've been busy writing your cookbook or when did that all, I don't know, I guess we could jump right into it. Yeah, sure. No, writing the cookbook was a COVID project that was not something that I planned. I have always wanted to write a cookbook. I've been in the food business for a really long time. So I think anybody that has been to cooking school or, you know, has worked in the industry has like a pipe dream of like, oh, of course I want to write a cookbook one day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had that same dream for many years, but I was always just so busy with like career and life that I never really got around to it and just had a lot of extra time on my hands. Surprise, right? Not surprisingly, yep. last March, <laughs> April. And um, I didn't really um, set out to do like a printed cookbook. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I would work on like a P, like an ebook, which in yep. my mind, for whatever reason, an ebook was like a, a, a I thought of it as like a PDF of a small collection of recipes Uh that I could probably sell on my website, you know, once my website was up and running, because that wasn't even up and running yet. And it just kind of, kind of grew and grew into something a little bit bigger. And then I learned a little bit more about the self-publishing process and that you can do books print on demand. And, and then I just kind of went full force with it. And I was like, well, I guess I'm, guess I'm self-publishing a cook, a full-on cookbook. Oh, so you're hundred percent self-published. I am. Yeah. That's fascinating. It's fascinating. Good for you. I know. That's, it, that's, that's, I don't that's know if I step. did it the right way because I didn't do a lot of like homework up front because I didn't really envision it. So I, I just learned sort of like each step along the way, but yeah. now that I've done one cookbook, I love it. Like, I, I mean, yeah. I really, really, I mean, I love writing recipes. I've been doing that for a really long time, but I really love the idea of a cookbook. So yeah, I mean, definitely have ideas for, you know, future. Yeah. So what like project. comes first? I'm like, I'm super fascinated by like the book writing process, the publishing process. So like what comes first was like the idea of like turning recipes into soups that came first, or was it just the idea of like, I've got all this time on my hands, maybe I should write a cookbook. And then you just started thinking about different ideas. Well, I think the, the ideas for the recipes came first. Okay. And turning recipes into soup is not something that I had never done before. I had like dabbled and done a few recipes um, like that over the years of, of um, putting recipes out there on my social media for Manja with Michelle. Like mm-hmm. I, I actually looked back and three years ago was the first time I supified a recipe, although I wasn't calling it that. So cool. It was a mm-hmm. Sardinian pasta dish. It's a classic Sardinian pasta dish called Malaretis alla Campidinese. I don't know if you know it, but it's no. this tiny little pasta that's a, it's a very Sardinian um, specific shape. It kind of looks like a small, tiny gnocchi or cavatelli, and okay. it's in a saffron tomato sausage sauce. So, you know, I'm always like thinking about new ideas for food. I mean, it's just, it's just what I do. Like there's always mm-hmm. all these like bubbles of, if you just can see the notes on my phone, you know, I mean, I have so many like <laughs> lists of just ideas that I constantly, you know, I'm like, Oh, let, let me just write this down. But I, 
I made a soup version of that because I just thought like, wow, like a tomato saffron sausage soup sounds really good with tiny mm -hmm. pasta. So I made that. I didn't really put much thought about it. Like a year later, I made another, I made another stupefied recipe. So the idea of turning reg uh, regular dishes into soup was just sort of out there. And it was just one of the things I started brainstorming because I really wanted to eat them. I was like, wow, yeah. what an eggplant parm soup would be like or a chicken marsala soup. So then in you know, normal fashion, I just had a, a brain dump, like I, you know, a brainstorming ideation mm -hmm. session with myself of like, here's like a whole, you know, and I think I came up with 50 or more recipes, probably more uh, that could potentially be turned into soup. And then I just started making them and photographing them. Yes. And I basically said to myself, well, if I have to wait until I could afford a food photographer, I'm never going to do this. So I'm just going to move ahead and I'm just going to do it. Like uh -huh. it was COVID. Everybody was home. Everybody was stressed out. Nobody knew what was going on. This is like the early days of COVID. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm in an apartment in New York City, no outdoor space. I just needed something like positive to focus on. So I just started working on that. I wasn't even like working that intently in the beginning. But for sure, it was all about the recipes. It was it was about the recipes and designing the recipes, planning the recipes and designing mm -hmm. the recipes and making the recipes and, you know, formulating them. And only really when I was done with the creative side, like food side of the book, did I start to focus on the other side of the book and the other side meaning, you know, like the the introduction to each recipe or the, the section at the front of the book, which is about the recipes or yep. general information about equipment, mm -hmm. about in ingredients, you know, like the forward, the dedication, and really just digging into like, how the heck do you make this into like a printed book? How do you put a concept into something that's actually mm -hmm. people can hold in their hands? Um, getting a designer. I mean, there's so many, it really, at some point it just became a big project to manage. Oh, you know? absolutely. And I really, I started it in April and I, it launched right after Thanksgiving. So it was a very short, time frame. Wow, it's, a soup cook, it's a soup cookbook. So I really mm -hmm. wanted to get it out for soup season. So I just like wow. pushed and pushed and pushed. Um, that so. sounds like, yeah, very entrepreneurial process. And I, it's amazing the way I, I read it, it or not every single page, but I like went through it, looked at a lot of the recipes. It was fascinating. So I applaud you. That Thank was you. awesome. Awesome. So what out of like all of the recipes in the book, what do you think is your favorite, your personal favorite? That's the all-star question I always get, which it's so hard. I'm like, well, they're like my baby. They're like my children. Yeah. How do you pick one? Maybe like a top and three or five. Yeah, no, I think chicken marsala is one of my favorites because I just love marsala anything. Mm -hmm. It's just a really good flavor. And that soup is such a great representation of the actual dish soup of uh, chicken marsala. And just a little background for the for people that don't know, the book is called Soupified, Soups Inspired by Your Favorite Dishes. Mm -hmm. So the concept is soup recipes of non-soup dishes. So you have, um, so chicken marsala, I'd say it's one of them. Eggplant parm is another one. And it's, I love eggplant. I love egg, eggplant and tomato. And it's got this fried che uh, cheesy breadcrumb topping to kind mm -hmm. of mimic the the normal fried eggplant that's in the chicken, in the eggplant yeah. parm. And believe it or not, Chinese egg roll soup is probably up there. That one looks in my so good. I, I saw, it I is, mentioned that one. And what's so great about that soup is, I mean, it has this really great, uh, crispy wonton topping, right? So, because you know, an egg roll, you have that crispy. When you yeah. bite into it, you get that crunch. So, you need to go out and buy if you want to do the topping, spring roll wrappers or wonton wrappers, and just fry them in a pan and sprinkle them with salt. But without that, it's actually a very like healthy, healthy lower fat soup in, mm. in the sense that it's brothy. It's lots of veggies. It has tons of flavor from all the seasonings, and it has shrimp. I put shrimp and pork. You could you could keep it vegetarian. You know, it's very flexible 
It's a very flexible mm-hmm. soup and it's very unique. So yeah, I think, and nice. everyone loves a good Chinese egg roll, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, oh, my Italian American roots for short, like come out and, you know, in the, in the book and there are a lot of recipes that are based on Italian American classics, but obviously it's not, it's not an Italian cookbook when you have Chinese egg roll <laughs> soup in there. There's also a Reuben soup, which is a little bit out there, but like I've gotten such great feedback on it and it's really interesting. It's, it's, Very um, cool. If you like a Reuben sandwich, you know, it's something mm-hmm. that I definitely recommend people try. Now, were there any like recipes that maybe didn't pan out that maybe didn't make it to the book or just was impossible to turn de- into a soup? That's a good question. And yes, I, you know, I don't have, uh, um, because the, like I said, in the beginning, it was like a brain dump, you know, and I yeah. kind of kept narrowing it down and I wanted to make sure I had a good cross section of recipes, mm-hmm. meaning like some vegetarian, some with chicken, some with seafood, pork, beef, et cetera. And I also threw in a couple of cold soups just for, for fun. So as I began to soupify di- recipes, um, meaning as I began to make soup versions of dishes, mm-hmm. you start to get a good idea of like what's going to work well and what's not going to work well. So some like a dish that's very, very simple, such as, because I did want to, my, on my initial list was a cacio e pepe soup. And for right. most people who are listening right now probably know cacio e pepe is one of those classic pasta dishes, which has like three ingredients. It's spaghetti, it's pecorino romano cheese, and it's black pepper. Mm-hmm. And so there's not much there to actually put into a soup version, you know, like for sure I would have to make it like, like either really, really creamy or like, or a potato base or something. And it was just going to have to end up having all these ingredients that were not in the underlying dish Mm -hmm. that I realized, you know, I'm not even going to try and make that. Maybe who knows if there's a supified volume two, maybe I'll go, I'll revisit (laughs) that. And, um, but actually I, every soup that I made, I did put in the book. So I, there weren't any soups that I made that I made them and I tasted them. I was like, oh, I don't like this because I mm. really, I planned out every recipe like ad nauseum before I actually went into the kitchen. Like really like all the, um, you know, really examined the underlying dish and, and the flavors and what ingredients needed to go in and almost could like, you know, make it in my head step-by-step step before I made it in real life. And I mean, I was lucky most of them turned out well. I think there was only one soup that I really had to do again. And it was, it was the twice baked loaded potato soup. And that's oh, that really that because one. I walked away from the, I walked away from the stove and the milk, which is in that soup, oh. it just broke <laughs> mm-hmm. and there was no fixing it. So I like immediately oh. had to make it again because after each, after each soup, after I made each soup, I then styled it and photographed it, you know, so. Oh, you literally did everything yourself. That's, that's amazing. I did. I didn't design. I mean, I did hire a designer because I don't know how to like lay out graphic design yeah. a book, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that um, everything else. Yeah. was myself. Oh, so cool. Now it's Lent season, obviously. What, what do you think is one of the best soups for uh, a, like a nice Friday, like today, like we're shooting on Friday today. Yeah. So. That's actually a really good question. Um, there are four seafood soups in the book and just refresh my memory. Shrimp scampi soup has been really, really popular. I've gotten mm-hmm. so much great feedback about that soup. And it's very surprising. Like you, you really get that lemony, that garlicky flavor. So I think that's a great one for a, a, a Friday in Lent. We also have crab cake soup and clams casino soup, which I oh, think are great. I, I saw the picture of uh, clams casino. They looked amazing too. Yeah, that's really fun. And I actually made a soup, a, a special recipe for um, a, a Facebook live that I was on the other night. It's not in my cookbook. I mean, I developed it just for this Valentine's show. Um, it's Adriana Trigiani. It's her Facebook mm-hmm. page and her Instagram page, but I developed a seafood fra diavolo soup. 
So, you know, again, if there is a, if there is a superfine volume two, it's going in there, but yeah. the recipe is out there on her um, social media. That would be a perfect um, Friday and Lent super, frankly, a perfect Christmas Eve soup. Like it's just got all those wonderful flavors of, mm -hmm. I think I put shrimp, I put clams, I put mussels, I put scallops, and I made it really, really spicy with uh, Calabrian pepper and chino paste, of course, and then tomato. And I even put some saffron in there. It's, it's a beautiful soup. Really it sounds is. amazing. It sounds amazing. So you came up with all these. This is your first cookbook. Let's. I can I guess let's go back to the beginning. How did you first get involved in cooking? And I guess let's take it from there. So I'm an Italian American like you, um, and I grew up in Southern New Jersey, and with grandparents that were immigrants from Italy, and. Um, stay-at-home mom. So I was always around a lot of cooking and I always loved cooking. And I was that five-year-old who was cooking side by side with her mom, making, mm -hmm. learning how to make eggs and then making pasta and gnocchi with my grandmother and sauce, all that stuff. I just always loved to cook. And there was always a lot of cooking going on. So it was, it worked out. But I was also really into academics. So I never really thought about going into food as a career until I was in a career that I just was not that passionate about. And I, I went the well, probably the, op the total opposite end of the spectrum. I became a C I, went, I was an accounting major in college and I became a CPA. I was an auditor oh, for wow. five years, financial auditor. And then after five years, I quit my job. And as, when I was an auditor though, I mean, I lived in New York for the first time. And then I also was, got a chance to live in Europe with my company and just had so many great experiences in my early twenties that gave me more exposure to food and travel mm -hmm. and like the possibilities that were out there. And then that combined with the fact that I just wasn't passionate about what I was doing. And I just couldn't imagine like working in this field for, you know, 40 years or more yeah. that I, I took the leap. I mean, obviously after a lot of thought and uh, research, but I took the leap and I quit my job when I was 27 years old. I, when I moved back in with my parents and I went to cooking school in Philadelphia. And I never thought that I, I wanted to work in restaurants. And I, I always knew restaurants weren't my calling. Mm -hmm. the, frankly, the idea of working the line like scared the hell out of me. At 27 <laughs> years old, I was like, that is not for me. But I wanted to be in the food industry. I was hoping to combine the, my business background with food somehow. And I figured going to cooking school was the best way to get right. into the business or just to like learn about the business. But I kind of loosely thought like maybe one day I'll open up my own gourmet Italian specialty food store. Like I loved the idea of prepared foods and this is before it was everywhere. So that's sort of like loosely what I thought going into cooking school. So I didn't end up doing that, mm -hmm. but I did end up working for a, a well, I've worked for Whole Foods Market for a really long time. And in, uh, I started out in prepared foods and, and, you know, over the years, the job changed and I was doing mostly um, it was cul like culinary development, whether it was menu, menu planning, recipe development, menu development, uh, so developing cool. little mini restaurants that would go in the stores, mini eateries, you know, new pizza programs for the region, new panini programs, whatever it was. There were so many great projects and I got such great experience and it was just so creative. It was really, it was my dream job mm -hmm. and I loved it and I did it and I loved it for so long. And, um, but yeah, at some point I moved on from that and I went to work for a really small, we called it a startup slash turnaround. It was a vegan organic juice and food concept in Manhattan. And it okay. was um, sold like 18 months in and we all got laid off. So it was really like uh, a very short, <laughs> after being at a company for so long and then, you yeah. know, getting to, you know, making the leap to go somewhere else. And then it basically kind of was a really weird experience. But that experience and 
you know, with all the other years of ex- food service experience I had when I got laid off, I'm like, you know what, maybe I should go out on my own. Uh-huh. So this was back in, well, just a few years ago. I, that's when I started my culinary consulting company called It's All About the Food. And I went out on my own and I'm still doing that. So I'm a food service consultant, independent consultant. And I work with actually an eclectic lineup of, you know, food service operations. Sometimes uh-huh. it's restaurants, sometimes it's uh, fast casual concepts or retail concepts, mostly on the creative side of the menu, mostly with developing menus and recipes, operations, costing, food trends. Yeah, so all, let's, all I'd love to talk about that. I'd love to ask you about this. So like, say like sure. I'm a restaurant, let's almost like role play that process a little bit. So I'm a restaurant and um, what's that process like? Like we want to like kind of switch up the menu and play to some, so yeah, you obviously go there and play to their strengths or what's that process like? Yeah, I mean, um, a la carte restaurants, which are, you know, restaurants as we know them, is not really where I spent most of my career. So I don't work with a la carte as much, but I do sometimes, and I actually did recently. So an example would be a new, I've recently worked with a new Italian restaurant that is being Mm -hmm. developed. It actually hasn't opened yet because of COVID, but Mm -hmm. all kind of, this was a project that, a um, couple of guys bought us two spots. They wanted to turn it into an Italian restaurant. So they they came to me to kind of discuss the concept. And we talked about the concept of the menu, you know, like, well, is it going to be, you know, more Italian American, more regional Italian, more like kind of just fresh, like uh, seasonal Italian. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like basically identify the brand of the menu. And then there's always an ideation phase, which is developing the different ideas for the different um categories of the menu, you know, agreeing on them. And then, you know, you go in the kitchen, you start start testing recipes and you have tastings and you, you you know, that process kind of goes on for a while. And that's like the recipe development stage, but then the commercialization phase is really like designing and documenting those recipes so that they could be executed in production every day. So the way that you write a recipe for a cook to make a recipe in a a professional kitchen is definitely different than the way you write a recipe for a home cook. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, with restaurants, you'll be making, let's say if there's a salad dressing, you might be making it in two or three gallons at one time. Mm-hmm. But more than not, I'm working with companies that are actually producing their products in even bigger batches, like maybe one or 200 pound batches and often like in commissaries. Wow. So, so I'll often get involved in as well in like commercialization of recipes from a five pound batch that we've test, taste tested and then working with people at a commissary level to help like commercialize it to really big, to really big batches. And that's the create, I mean, that's, that's the creative, that's still sort of under the creative umbrella of product mm-hmm. development, you know, but then I can also, I dabble in if people need me to help with costing the recipes or sometimes sourcing ingredients, although I don't do that much of that anymore, or just general operations. I've done so much of it, you know, over the career. Mm-hmm. So kind of whatever, whatever my client needs, I will do. Um, but as an independent consultant, and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening can understand this, understand this, there are peaks and valleys in terms of how busy you are. Oh, for and, sure. I know that. <laughs> right. So, which is weird for me because I had always worked at like one big company for my, basically most of well, all of my career. So there are times when you're like super busy and you have like all these different client engagements. And then there are times when you have nothing to do. So it was, it was one of those uh, valleys when I wasn't that busy mm-hmm. that I started developing Manja with Michelle, which was my social media account. I mean, I had a social, I had a, a social account for it's all about the food, which was my consulting. Mm-hmm. But I just posted like the kind of projects I was working on and stuff. It wasn't like a, 
strategic uh, social media brand that I was developing. Munch with Michelle was just, it started and it's always been my just personal, personal passion of everything Italian or Italian American influence, you know, food, mm -hmm. mostly food, obviously, sometimes travel. And I started that on Instagram and Facebook, I guess a little over three years ago. And I really started it as like, oh, I thought maybe one, you know, if I kind of start this brand and I try to grow a following, maybe one day I can work with brands using their ingredients and products, and it might mm -hmm. be a great like supplement to my consulting income. So I really only thought of it as a supplement, like a, a side hustle, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but and, I, and knowing that that would take a while to develop, but what I didn't expect is that it just took on a whole life of its own. Like it didn't even take that long. Just that I was just completely not expecting. And what I mean is there were so many relationships that, and people that I met through this social media, you know, Instagram, it's really the best of the internet, I think. Like it can really bring people together. Absolutely, and I met absolutely. so many wonderful people that were also doing what I was doing. I met a lot more people in the Italian American community. You know, I include, include you in that as mm -hmm. well. And I also, but more important, most importantly, I, is, is the connections that I made with the people that were out, out there making my recipes. That must, that must feel so good. You know, so in food good. service, it was also, so, what's that? I said, that must feel great when you see somebody like replicating your recipes and tagging you in it too. It, it is the best feeling. I, I mean, I, I, I never really thought about it. And it's not like I wasn't cooking for years and I loved cooking in um, developing recipes for the masses as well, but you just don't get that like one-on-one -on -one feedback, you know, really with when, when you see someone who's like, a, like sees your recipe out there and they make it, or they tell you like, oh my goodness, what you wrote, that story about when you were growing up, it totally resonates with me because it's so, so much like my childhood. Like I realized that I was connecting with all these different people and that I had a lot more to offer. And so I just really started to, to love it. And somewhere along the line, my professional passions kind of shifted. And, you know, I mean, I've worked in food service for so long and I still do it and I still love it, but I would love to slowly like change the balance of where I, I kind of spend my time and over the next, you know, over the, I guess the second, the next part of my career and mm -hmm. do more with like Manja with Michelle focused on home cooks and home cooking and Italian influenced food and less and less on food service. Just, that's just sort of, I think evolution, you know, and I feel like I started with home cooking. I started as a home cook mm -hmm. at home, you know, and I had this career of, well, public accounting, which is, I feel like I was a different person when I was there it was so long ago, but like, you know, years and years of working in food service. And now I feel like I've kind of come back to like home cooking again. For sure. Maybe and, a possible cooking show in the future. The is, I would love a cooking show if, <laughs> you know, I don't think those are easy to come by, but mm -hmm. I would love it. You know, I love, um, I love talking about food and, you know, with my background, I love to like also go, dig into like do deep dives into techniques or ingredients as well. And, you know, I, I always try and write recipes in the most easy way possible for people to execute them. That is what I did for my career. So I continue to do it for people in the home who are cooking. And even though, you know, a lot of the recipes in Superfied, like I, I tell people, well, they're not the chicken pastinas of the world. Like they're not the soup recipes with three ingredients. These are recipes that are, they do have longer ingredient lists because they're trying to replicate a different dish. So there are, a, there are quite a few number of ingredients, but the recipes are all very easy to execute. You know, I think a lot of times people 
people see a list of ingredients and think, wow, that's a really complex recipe. It's actually not. And there's, once you make one or two recipes in the book, you notice that there are, there's a formula to making soup. So, you know, you, you make one chicken soup recipe in the book, you probably can make all the chicken soup recipes. You know, same thing with like the seafood recipes, or if you make one recipe that's thickened with a roux, which is, you know, flour and fat, you can make any of the recipes that are, are thickened that way. So there is a format, there's a, there's a technique and people who have made multiple recipes from the book have actually said to me, you know, I now feel like I can go out and make my own soup recipe. People who've never made soup before because they've learned a technique and it's sort of like the same, you know, like the same steps you start with, almost always you start with sauteing something in mm -hmm. a fat, right? Oil or butter or oil and butter, and then adding more ingredients and like layering the flavors and kind of going from there. So cool. So cool. Now I got a couple just questions based on like almost everything we talked about before we get you out of here. Um, we do have like <laughs> I know a really, talk a lot. no, 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 it's fine. Um, but um, we do have like somewhat of a younger audience a lot of times too. And one of the major things that I've taken away from this is like you taking the leap from going to school, becoming a CPA, working as a CPA, and then like making that leap back into food. So what is your advice for somebody that maybe is like, feels like they're stuck in something or really needs to make that leap and make that jump out of it. What's your advice for like somebody like that? Well, do your research, you know, really think about what the careers are in that field that you're thinking about. Like what are the different options? I feel like there are so many more opportunities today than when I made the leap in food because the world is so much more entrepreneurial and mm -hmm. there's so much going on with um, social media and digital marketing. So I feel like there are so many opportunities. So if it is food, for example, I mean, for me, I knew I wanted to like be in the create, like the food, the creative food side of the menu. I wasn't going to go into a food tech company and run, a tech, you know, run that. I didn't really want to run a grocery store, like on the HR mm -hmm. side. I knew I wanted to be involved in the creative. So I only what are the opportunities and then really take an honest look at, well, what's your day today going to be like? Because at least with food, I think a lot of people, um, back when I got into the food business, jumped into it because they thought it was like a glamorous career. And it's really not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really very, um, it's kind of, it's it's a difficult. You know, if you're actually working in, kitchen, in a professional kitchen, it's actually very difficult. So I guess the advice is really take a good look and, and, and talk to as many people as you can who are doing that. But, and also if possible, take some time to actually work in that field, like maybe whether it's on a, unpaid basis or some kind of internship basis or side hustle or even a volunteering on the weekend to kind of get an idea. And I would say, don't wait. You know, I was 27 when I went, when I made the leap, I was five years into my career and I just kind of took a look at my career and I'm like, I cannot be doing this for the next 40 years. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's too many other things that I could possibly be doing that there's no reason for me to not change now. And it's better to change now than to change later. And you know what? I'm changing again though, right now, like mm -hmm. moving from food service to blogging is not easy. Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of a long road. I mean, it's something that I'm, I'm doing them at the same time. And, but it's really opposite. I mean, while they still fall under the food umbrella, they really are very opposite from each other. You know, many, many people who are in blogging and, writing cookbooks and whatnot. I mean, many of them have not, don't, you know, also work in the industry. Like it's not necessarily like there's an overlap. So I kind of feel like I'm, I'm trying to reinvent myself again, only I'm, I'm a lot older now. And I, I, um, 
have a lot more, I think, to catch up on. You know, a lot of people are kind of, I think a lot of people are realizing early on now, which is great. If, if there's not a position out there for them in a company, they'll just create it themselves. Mm -hmm. And I didn't necessarily grow up in that environment. You know, I went to Georgetown, everybody who went to George, I mean, actually, I was just talking about this yesterday. You know, I didn't think, you don't think about going to Georgetown, going to the food business. It was like, well, you're going to go into finance or business or Wall Street or something, or you're going to go to law school, or you're going to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you came from money and you're, you doesn't really matter what you do and you're going to go, you know, you're just going to keep going to school, which is, that's fine too. But like, I definitely was not in that group. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I just, I, I don't know if that's really answering your question, but. No, absolutely. For sure. hundred percent. Well, Michelle, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. Where could everybody, first off, where could everybody buy your cookbook and follow you and all that? You can buy the cookbook. Yeah. So you can buy, obviously it's on amazon.com. And if you Google Supified, you'll find the hardcover really on lots of um, digital bookstore platforms at, at Barnes and Noble. It's not really in um, brick and mortar bookstores right now. It's mm -hmm. pretty much just online. It's a print awesome. on demand. So it's, uh, but it's definitely out there. So yeah. And my website, manjawithmichelle.com and that's Michelle with one L. If you sign up for my mailing list, you can actually get three additional superfied soups that are not in the cookbook. And those are spaghetti and meatball soup, chicken parm soup, and broccoli rob sa sausage broccoli rob and provolone sub soup. Oh my God, those sound so, so good. The, the, superfied the superfied recipes keep going on and on and on. And because uh, there's still so many more opportunities to superfy out there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, I have 31 recipes in the book, but there's definitely, and yep, this is the book, superfied. And that's a bacon cheeseburger soup on the cover. Oh. And you can also find me at Manja, uh, at Manja with Michelle on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome, Michelle. Thank you so much for coming on. I will definitely be trying out one of those soup recipes and I'll let you know how it Thank turns you. out. But for everybody else, go follow um, at Manja with Michelle. Buy the cookbook. It's awesome. I know it is. <laughs> I've read it. But um, thank you all for listening and we'll see you in the next episode. Ciao. Thank you.